0: Hey, our prestige TV podcast is killing it right now. Sunday nights, breaking down euphoria, Joanna Robinson, Nora Princiati, me and Joanna and Mallory Ribbon, we broke down the Yellow jacket season finale on Monday. That is up over an hour of theories and guesses and theories explained, all kinds of stuff. really fun podcast. And then Joanna and Van Lathan on Wednesday are going to be breaking down. Ozark, where we left off after the first three seasons, where we might be going for season four. Check it out, the Prestige TV podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance. To win at michaelobultra.com slash courtside, LDA 21 and up. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card. Subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility savings accounts. Provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Miracle because the Winter Olympics is coming. Why wouldn't we? Me and Chris Ryan talked about that. Talked about great sports movie speeches of all time. Kurt Russell, top five films. What that 1980 meant for a little kid like myself at the time, but that really fun podcast. You can check that one out. We have a big movie coming next week on that one as well. Uh, mentioned I was on the Prestige TV podcast on Monday, breaking down season one of Yellow Jackets if you missed it. And then what else do we have? FanDuel Sportsbook. We are going to be doing another same game NBA parlay on Wednesday and then get ready for this weekend Million Dollar Picks. We lost on our boost on last weekend. So I'm going to try to win that one back this week. And then finally, some news launched a YouTube channel. We finally spun off all of my content from the Ringer's YouTube channel, which is like basically six years worth of stuff. We felt like we finally had enough non-me stuff on that Ringer channel that we could split them into two. So you can subscribe. It's youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. It is six years of videos from my podcast, from the rewatchables, breakout stuff we did, um, little extra stuff, some special stuff. And then going forward, that's where we're going to be putting all of our videos and all of our breakouts from this podcast and from the rewatchables. Plus, we're going to try to do some, some, at least a couple times, some exclusive videos on that, on that uh, channel as well. So uh, as I say in the channel, there aren't a lot of over 50 people that have their own YouTube channel, but it it made sense. It made sense for me. And also, I am declaring war on all the other over 50 people. I want to be the top over 50 person on YouTube. It's, it could be a noble goal for me. Anyway, uh, check it out. YouTube.com slash Bill Simmons. Coming up on this podcast, Raja Bell came on. We're talking about two coaches who... Are struggling through weird seasons for different reasons. Frank Vogel on the Lakers and Steve Nash for the Brooklyn Nets. We're gonna talk about the ramifications of KD's injury and Cleveland and Memphis and a lot of the other NBA storylines as we head past the midway point. And then Joe House comes on. I have to fill out my all-star ballot by Friday, so I'm going over the preliminary picks with him. We talked a little about Kyler Murray, golf, and uh and best food in the remaining NFL playoff cities. So That is all coming up first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Raja Bell is here. We're taping this. It is uh, Tuesday morning Pacific time. Haven't had Raja on in a while. He is on the Real Ones. Is it the Real Ones or Real Ones? I think it's Real Ones. Yeah, I don't. I think I don't, it is Real Ones. There's hmm. no the. It's no Real Ones. You and Logan Murdoch. You can hear them twice a week on the Ringer NBA Show. You can also see Raja prowling the sidelines of Florida football and basketball games, um, <laughs> doing doing parent coach stuff. Uh, speaking of coaches, so. Nets and Lakers, I want to talk about them through the prism of coaches. And okay. we'll, start, we'll start with our guy Nash, who takes this Nets job, and it's been one of the all-time soap operas, basically from the moment he showed up. He, thought, he was like, oh, this is, great. this is great. I'm taking over this team with uh, Durant, still in his prime, come back from an injury. Kyrie, one of the top 20 players in the league. We have, we have some assets, maybe we make a trade. We're going to be contending for a while here. And his top three guys, I think, have played 16 games together total. He's had injuries. He's had the Kyrie COVID saga, which is ongoing. And then finally, Durant breaks down last week. He's got this weird roster with all these kind of guys past their prime. Rookie's not ready to play yet. Um, guys on two-way contracts you are trying to navigate anything. And then the pressure of just being one of the league's signature teams. <sighs> How worried should we be about our guy Nash? Because he seems okay on the sidelines from like a stress standpoint. Remember when Obama, like by 2012, all of a sudden his hair was white. Right, I haven't seen right, that right. with Nash yet, but it feels like we're heading there. This was stressful, Raja. Yeah, this is stressful. I've said this before, Bill. I, I,
1: I felt sorry for Steve. Um, you know, a lot. Um, and I would, I would say that he's uniquely qualified to handle what's going on there because if you know, you know, I'm like, I know him. like, he's always optimistic. There's always this sense of, it's why he's such a great leader, right? Like it's gonna be fine. Like, well, you know, we'll figure it out and you know, we're, we'll, we'll let our culture just, you know, be the guiding light. And as long as we're in line with that, things are going to work out. He's got this great way about him. Um, but man, you need some help. And some of the cards he's been dealt Well, with with the, with the team, with the with the concessions made for certain players on the team, with the inconsistencies of availability. And I mean, it's really just hard to establish culture in that environment, right? So even if you were this great establisher of culture and your culture could, you know, guide you guys as, as a North Star through all of these dark times, well, shit, you haven't even got a chance to really, really instill it because you've been missing so many parts and it's such a revolving door of people. And so I've often said I felt really bad for Steve having been the first gig uh, or his first gig. And that was before... That was before the soap opera that is this year, you know, and I would say to you, I said to my wife, uh, we were watching the game and while he hasn't gone gray, I said to I said to my wife, man, Steve looks tired. Yeah, he looks looks, his face looks tired, you know, so I shot him a text and he said he was good. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, I think you, you know, when you know someone like that, put it like this. When he first got the job um, and I was thinking about going to join and right. I said no, and they look good. And then they got James Harden, and I was like, "Shit!" Like that would have been a great gig. It looks like they're having a blast, and now I'm like, "Best
0: move I ever made." Seriously. Well, you think how much luck plays into all this stuff, right? And just like they they they're killing the Celtics in the first round last year, and everybody's like, "Oh my god how how is anybody beating this team?" And then from from that moment on, it just all goes to hell. Um, there's some stuff that was under their control, though, that I feel like, um, you know, like like Harden not being in shape. I have this, I have this video. The All Star Game was in LA in 2018, and for whatever, I never do this, but for some reason, I was taping a play from the All Star Game. It's Harden in the corner, Westbrook's on him, and he just easily goes by Westbrook and scores. But the the striking thing was how incredible shape he was in four years ago. You know, and he just looks different. And now it's like, you know, you he can still get to where he wants sometimes, but it's almost like watching the old guy who's awesome and pick up basketball, who still knows what he's doing. But I, I think from a durability standpoint, I would worry about him too. Durant went down because Nash had to play him too many minutes, and then the Kyrie saga. But the, the heart had not coming in shape when we had what four or five months between the end of the playoffs last year and. Heading into this year was such a weird way to start the season. Then Kyrie COVID right after. And uh, I don't know, man. Sometimes it's luck, but it's also, it's kind of self-imposed bullet wounds. And it's like this weird combination of both of them. Where now I'm looking at it like, are we going to remember this team the way we remember your son's team? Where we look back and we go, how the fuck did that team not make the finals?
1: Yeah.
0: But that's how we look at it now. And are we going to look at the Nets that way?
1: That's a, it's a good question. Um you know as far as as far as james harden goes and that <laughs> you know Le- lebron's kind of like this for me still brilliant i mean i'm 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 the biggest lebron fan out there but not the same guy right like still can do things that other people can't but if you compared it to what he was you know 6 years ago we can, like he's not the same guy don't get by people the same way like you know still has great lift not the same lift like that's just father time right like it's just you know and and lebron takes care of himself Uh, in a way that that no one else does and so as it pertains to to james Harden, he's not the same guy like i i don't doubt that that skill set and and ability is in there somewhere but you know sometimes when you go somewhere and that role changes on you um and it's not all on your back and so you can just take a breath whatever that Mm. breath looks like whether it's not you know conditioning the same or having whatever it looks like i don't know because i'm not in james harden's like circle to know how he works and stuff. But sometimes if it's not all on you, um, maybe it just changes the way you, you approach it fractionally. And the NBA is one of those fractional type of games when you're talking about the best players on the planet, right? Like it's any little advantage and the separation is, is, is not as big as a lot of people think. And so if you lose your edge, then, then you do kind of become a different player. It's still very good, but maybe just not what you were somewhere else.
0: Well, I say this on the behalf of the normal people. You were not a normal person in your 20s because you're a professional athlete. You had to stay in shape. But yeah. when <laughs> for no, for us normal people out there, you hit this point in your late 20s when your metabolism changes a tiny bit um, where you realize, oh, maybe I can't stay up till 3.30 in the morning three times a week drinking and then having pizza at two in the morning and all that stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, did I, did I gain weight? I remember I got a treadmill when I was like... Uh, when I was like 28, 29. So I was just like, I was getting a little chubby and I started playing video games on the treadmill and I worked it up and, and the only reason was because you get older, your body changes and I wonder with Harden now, he's in his early 30s, he's been in the league since uh, 2008 or 2009. I can't remember what, I'm looking, 2009. And sometimes you get older and the guys who've had the unbelievable careers, like the, the real true top 20, top 25 guys, some of those guys we're able to have this second life. Like Kobe's a great example, your guy. Kobe has this second peak from 08 to basically 2012, right at the point when you kind of could go either way as a superstar, right? You could move into that next stage where you're a star, but Kobe has this 2.0 thing. Jordan had the same thing. Um, Even Duncan, who was so steady for so many years, but figured out how to play with like, basically one and a half legs is one of his knees didn't totally work. I wonder with Harden, like sometimes that's it, you know, your body changes and if you don't do enough to fight it off, you kind of are who you are. So I, in a way, I'm more impressed that he's able to still get a lot of the production that he used to get when I don't feel like he has the same quickness anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. And like, just to kind of, Dig into it a little bit. I think a lot of the guys that you're talking about, and maybe this has something to do, you know, with the way the game is played today. Versus, I'd just be interested to see how the player like James Harden, if if or of the like, right? In this game where everyone has the ball in their hands, and there are these amazing shot creators, and there's all this space, uh, but you're often like very far away from the basket, which requires either deep threes or Really good first steps to get where you want to go, right? Um, how do you evolve into a different player? Cause Kobe, like, you know, I guarded him for for a lot of his career. He just, you know, when I guarded him in Philly, we were out on the perimeter when, when I was really young and he was like a relatively young, super, super, superstar. Yeah. He was beating you with his quickness. You know, it was, but then he just became surgical like on the elbow area or with his back to the basket. And so it didn't have to beat you with pure athleticism anymore. You know, Mike MJ did that too. Yeah. Like it, it became a different game for them. Tim D did it a little bit where I'm just, I'm better than you. I'm more cerebral than you. My skill level is higher. I might not jump the same or have the same Twitch, but I've, I've just reinvented myself as this, as this offensive player. But the game at that point, kind of lended itself to being able to do that because you had players touching the ball on all different spots of the court. Now everyone touches it basically in the same place, out on the perimeter. And so, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see as guys start to lose those steps. Like, How do they
0: reinvent themselves as as scorers if that's their job? Dirk's another good example of that. Dirk yeah. just basically, second half of his career just masters the foul line. It's like, right. I'm going here. Nobody's done this quite this way before, but this is now my spot and you're not going to yeah. be able to stop me. Kobe, Paul, Paul Pierce did it too. Yep. Um, and I think you mentioned LeBron, not the same guy athletically, but has also reinvented himself in some really smart ways, right? He has that crazy step back three that I, if I'm the other team up until about two years ago, you're throwing a party every time he does that shot in the last three minutes of the game. It's like, please keep shooting that. And he would shoot it sometimes if he was trying to get in some mono a mono contest with some shooter on the other team. Ultimately a bad shot. You always want him going to the basket, posting up. Now it's like he's got this crazy step back three that he makes more often than I, I'm kind of prepared for. I don't. I actually don't know how it goes in as often as it does. And then he's also around the rim a lot more than he used to be. I mean, considering going back to the J.J. Barea days. But yeah. he can punish people now and he's stronger and he's figured out like this whatever 3.0, 4.0 version. So I guess with Harden... I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing. What is the reinvention stage for him? Because he's reinvented himself a couple of times, especially like 2017, 18 range when he was basically like point guard, three point shot, three point shots and, and free throws. That was it. Now he's kind of like point guard James, but you know, there's moments really sloppy moments like the Cavs game I was watching yesterday where you know, he just knocked over somebody when he had the ball because the guy just, Garland just jumped in, got a charge from him uh, right under the Cavs basket. Um, just, just atrophy stuff. And you saw it with Iverson. You were there for the heyday of Iverson. He didn't take care of it. And when it goes, sometimes when you don't take care of it, it doesn't go. I don't know how hard Harden works, but I know that he's not in the red shape. Um, yeah. I don't, again, I don't
1: know. I don't know him either. I, it appears to my naked eye that he doesn't look like he's in the best shape either. Um, you know, I think another good point, like he's probably, you know, he morphs into a different type of player, more PG ish, maybe not as prolific a scorer as he was, but still brilliant with the ball in his hands and so on and so forth. And if brilliant, I, if it, yeah. And if I may, like, I, you know, just to defend him a little bit, like when you're yeah. playing the point, when you're playing the point, I had a, knock down drag out with my 12 year old, 13 year old the other day in practice. Like he absolutely hated me, told his mom, like I was every name in the book. Right. But he's, he's changing from a two to a point. And it's a really, it's a really difficult job. And that was the, you know, after cooler heads prevailed and we sat down and so I said to him, I said, listen, man, this is, this isn't going to be easy. Like you're making a transition from, from a player that's got, you know, very limited responsibility for what the team looks like as a whole to one that is really orchestrating everything that takes place, and yeah. so as that pertains to james in the in 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 the chaos that is the brooklyn Brooklyn nets um team from night to night, it's got to be really hard for you to look great when you're trying to orchestrate like and make all this music and all these instruments fit in and you never know what instruments you're gonna have from night to night like do you know what I mean like sometimes you don't you know a lot of your instruments aren't orchestra quality instruments right and then You know, sometimes your orchestra quality instruments are there, sometimes they're not. And so just in his defense, I think kind of their unstableness as a team might lend it lend itself to like him not looking, you know, great at times.
0: Yeah, I think I'm probably too hard sometimes with this stuff because I do feel like when you're a professional athlete, your number one job is to optimize whatever your body potential is. Like what what when you think about it, like you show up on time and you get the most out of whatever, whatever God gave you. I, I talk, I know you probably talk about this with your son too, but you know, my son wants to play tackle football next year and he, and he's really serious about it and he really wants to play and he wants to have an impact. And this is the first time we had a real conversation. Like, look, it's not just about the games now. Like if you really want to do this and he hasn't started doing weightlifting and all that stuff yet, but he's going to, and it's like, look, now it's an everyday thing. Yeah. If you want to be great at something, it's putting in the time day after day after day after day that's why you know it's such a bummer durant got hurt because i thought his comeback this year was just so incredible um just and you know from i'm sorry last year but then leading into this year where because of the weird team he's on he had to play this crazy minute load and i thought he did a a, a better two-way job this year than he did last year last year i thought he would just disappear on defense a lot this year took it a lot more seriously. It seemed like from the games I saw, but they also had to put too many minutes on him and now he got hurt. And I don't, I wasn't shocked. Were you? Um, no. Uh, but, but
1: again, that one of those injuries, I mean, he had a young name, Bruce Brown, Bruce. Yeah. Bruce Brown kind of fell back into his knee. I, I don't know. That's not a wear and tear. Like I can't hang that on Stevie in the franchise for, for overplaying him. Although yeah. you were overplaying him. And I, I would bet dollars to donuts that he would get hurt at some point that you just, the freak one happened before the overuse one happened. Right. So like, right. Maybe a blessing in disguise for them. Like, Hey, you shut him down for four to six weeks. Like if I'm looking for a silver lining, you shut him down for four to six. If we can tread water, um, you know, that accumulation of minutes and wear and tear isn't nearly the same when he comes back.
0: I don't know, but I think it was bound to happen. Uh, Bill, they were just, It's a good point. It was a freak injury, but also with the use that they were doing. I mean, he had one game where I think they played him the entire second half against Indiana. Yeah. It was a lot of stuff like that where, and it's interesting because we've seen this with great players who became coaches because they're great, they were great players. They look at it as like, oh man, I would have played the whole second half and you know, like they, they kind of, they look at their own great players like, well, I would have done that and that's how they see the world, right? So he, Nash is probably going. Ah, eh, Katie's fine. No, thirty-nine know, minutes, I, thirty-six minutes. Who cares? I know, I know, he is because
1: I do the same thing at a much lower level, and I forget often that like you know, I blow out a calf in game. I don't know one of the of the Western Conference Finals, like, and we have a chance to win a championship. But that's because I'm one of the leaders in minutes that year, and I never want to come off the court. And Mike's got a really short rotation, and so you quickly forget. No player ever wants to come out. You don't want to come out. You asked me if you want me to come out. No. What are you talking about? But, you know, sometimes you got to protect people from their, from their own competitive nature for the greater good, which is, you know, trying to stay fresh, trying to stay healthy. I feel the same way about LeBron, Bill. I say it all the time. Like, I love that LeBron is defying all odds in terms of what he's doing at his age. And, you know, and, and, but it's, that's not sustainable for him. Even if it is through, you know, 65 games, that body can only take so much. You know he he it's too right. much of a workload for him to just be trying to squeak out a game here and there
0: yeah and and we'll talk about Vogel later but he was taking heat from Laker fans that I knew for stuff like he's playing DeAndre Jordan like why does he keep playing that guy and I I think he was just looking for any way to try to reduce the load on LeBron and then finally they just had to start playing him at the five because their season was about to go in the tank the I have some more KD stuff but let's uh let's take a quick break we'll come back Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game. Right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at Michelob slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at Michelob slash courtside LDA 21 and up. So the KD thing, it's just such a bummer. I think he had one of those careers which is still in progress, obviously. He's still in his prime where we're going to look back at all these different moments and go, oh, man, why did that have to happen? Why did this? And oh, I wish that hadn't happened. And it's just like, that's where we're heading now. He's been in the league since the 2007 draft. And you have all these little moments, right? Why did Clay Thompson have to get hot in that hmm. game six when they're about to make the finals? Why did KD have to get hurt that one year with OKC? Why did Westbrook have to get hurt that one year? Why did, um, why did everybody have to get hurt that third Warriors year, right? As they were about to cruise to a third title. Why did everybody have to get hurt last year? Why did his foot have to be six inches over on the line? Why did he have to pick the one guy in the league who refuses to get the vaccine and now can only play road games and not home games? Um, it's just over and over again. He just, it. You know he's won titles. He won an MVP. It's he's. I think he's one of the ten best players of all time by any calculation. But you need some luck with this stuff too. Kobe got luck at a really important point when Memphis was like, "Hey, we're giving away Paul Gasol. And we're not going to talk to any other teams. Any interest? <laughs> sure. Here's a really <laughs> shitty offer from awesome. Here you have Pau Gasol now. Like that's really lucky. Um, yeah. With Durant. It's just over and over again, the only luck he's had was that the Warriors had all that cap space in 2016, and he was able to join that team. But that became a curse for him too, because then everybody's like, fuck you, why'd you go to the Warriors? Why didn't you form your own thing? And so in a weird way, the free agency, even the one time he had free agency, didn't move his way because the smartest move for him was the one that everybody got mad about. But I just wonder, when is that guy gonna get a break? And then you think like our guy Nash, when is he gonna get a break? How, Nash didn't even make the finals. You, you had like one of the best teams of that whole decade. Never yeah. made the finals. Every year something went wrong. And now this year with Brooklyn, same thing. And it's like, do we need to have an exorcism with those dudes? Uh,
1: I don't know. That's tough. And I, I, you know, Kevin Durant is the most gifted scorer.
0: It's the best scoring yeah. forward ever. That's, it's yeah. it's, if, it's, it's not know, even listen, an argument.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm reluctant. I mean, Larry Bird was... Larry Bird was ridiculous. Like I you know I, I caught him guy. he's right behind me. No, no, absolutely. And I caught him at the end of his career and yeah. but, and, and I've dug back into his videos just cuz I think it's ridiculous. So it but Kevin Durant is one of the two three best
0: scorers of all time. It's not even a question. Um well, hold on. The Durant Bird thing, the difference between them as scorers, and I I I would say Bird and Dirk are probably tied for second. Durant can't, I still haven't met the person who's like the Durant stopper. Bird had moments where like you watch Rodman in the late eighties against bird and you go, Oh man, he's really making him work. You know, he had Durant has never had that guy in his entire career. Who's the guy who's like, yep, yeah, I'm here to stop Kevin. Durant." never happened.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. He, I mean, when I first, when I first saw, when I first saw Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, sorry, um, up close to Seattle. Yeah. And you know, I had seen him at Texas and I, I you know, I'm not paying great attention to college basketball, but I, I knew who he was. Um, and we walked out there at the tip and I stood next to that cat. I remember looking over at Mike, like, what in the F do you think I can do with that? <laughs> like, it, I can't. <laughs> he literally doesn't see me down here. Like, I can't. It's just a, a unique uh, combination of size, skill, athleticism. It's pretty crazy. But uh,
0: yeah, if you're, you know, if you're just 30 a night, every night, come on. every year. It's fucking nuts. like Come on, man. 39. It's like, if he doesn't get 30, you're like, what happened? Did he get in foul trouble? Like, I would never,
1: ever put myself in the breath with some of the better NBA players that ever come through the league. But having said that, I was a 13-year NBA player, right? Yeah. So, I was doing something right. I was okay. Yeah. Do you know what it felt like the nights where I did score 30? Do you know how much of an output physically it took? To score 30 points, they were they were some of the best nights of sleep I ever had. Not because I felt great, but because my I had just done such an amount of work to do that on a night on a nightly basis. Like it's oh, this is this is just cake for me. It's it's unbelievable. Like, and when I say that, people are gonna be like, "Okay, no, I mean it's unbelievable." Like you couldn't fathom being able to do that. Like it's incredible. Um,
0: so for, that- to, so to do that, 70 out of 82 games. You- <laughs>
1: or whatever you're, you're t- I mean I don't know what you would compare that to man it is the you are the the best ever and at what you do like I don't know who that is but that's what it is it's you know Bill you you're random dude I do this a lot man you're random dude at I don't know let's say your men's not not like an LA fitness let's say your local men's run that it's yeah. got some good players at it you know, that person often thinks that they could hop in an NBA game and, you know, survive. You're wrong. You could not. Like, you're not You're not going to survive. You're not going to get a bucket. Like, you know, the, the, so you're skewed already to what you think it is. And you, you kind of just don't really appreciate what's going on. But that guy that's getting, he's getting 30 when, like, my job as the best defender on my team is to to try to stop that. I've watched two days of film on everything he does to try to take, it away. Our whole team scouting report for for the morning and pregame was all predicated on the plays that get him the ball where he wants to get it and stopping that. And I've got all of that flying at you. And every single night
0: you drop thirty, unreal. It's unreal. Also from different spots. There was I was looking for this. Kurt Goldsberry did this. Uh, he did this zone thing of the most points scored in every zone. And so it's like, I don't know, probably like 25, 26 zones on the court. And Dirk has six of them and they're all basically around the key. He scored the most points in each of these zones. Now Durant will probably pass some of these people on the zones, but I think Durant, when he has the ball on the right side and he can go right and shoot that little jumper on the baseline is one of the five or six most unstoppable shots in the history of the league. The Skyhawks, Skyhawks, number one, it's always going to be number one. But I haven't seen really anybody figure out how to stop that. Sometimes they jump at his legs when they know he's going to do the move. And it'll oftentimes be a foul. But that's the one time where they, they try to knock him off balance so he loses his handle. And I think about him a lot compared to Tatum because I have to watch Tatum all the time. And Durant's handle is so much better than Tatum's handle. It's like the biggest difference between them. Because I think a lot of the same pieces are there. durant's shot is more consistent, I mean obviously he's better, he's taller, all these things, but ultimately, his handle and his ability at seven feet to just go wherever he wants, but then be able to spring up and every time it's the perfect shot and he and the thing with him is this is why he clicks with Kyrie because he really works at this, you know yeah. it's like to him he's like he feels like he's an artist, and all he wants to do is play basketball and work on moves and work on his shots and these things. And that's why he loved Kyrie because Kyrie is like an artist. He's ambidextrous. He has the perfect kind of finishes, left, right, um, step backs, come right. And so I think those guys clicked just because the artistry of what they were doing, they could they could connect with each other. Um, yeah. So I, I loved watching Durant this year on this weird, crazy Nets team. Just like, I don't care who I'm playing with. I'm getting between 30 and 35 points today. And that's it can't
1: stop it I just I feel I've said it earlier on this pod and I will include Kevin Durant in it when I'm talking about feeling bad because what starts to happen is it becomes a narrative about about you right like if you're Kevin Durant or even Stevie if they can't get that done about your ability to really lead you know and I don't think they've been dealt a fair hand um I think the rug was pulled out from under them with with obviously the you know the whole COVID situation and the vaccine versus non-vaccine and the decision being made and i'm not even going to get into that but like you're missing a part of what that was supposed to be so if ultimately it doesn't work or come to fruition like i don't think it's a fair narrative but i think you are you were on the right path like ultimately the, that those are going to be questions that people ask if we sit in there and saying well how come he never got to a finals like
0: either you know what i mean like that's right that's what's going to happen and that's without Curry without curry and german yeah um I actually heard on it's on a radio or podcast recently. I heard somebody. Ask, this is how crazy the Nets season is. Wondering if the Nets were better off not having one of the top four seeds in the East, because if there was a game seven in each round, Kyrie would be. You'd have Kyrie for the road game, and I'm like, this is where this is where we've reached for our guy Dash. That he has to get a five or below seed so he can have one of his three best players in a game seven. This is where we've landed. That says it all. That says it all. You know, the other thing, it hurts me to say this. I don't like when guys are washed when they they pass that point of no return. You can see it, especially in basketball. It's the the most obvious of all the sports. It happens in every sport, right? Dante Hightower for the Patriots. He's too slow now. He was an amazing middle linebacker. He was one of the biggest reasons we came back against the Falcons. Like, incredible Patriot. But now he's too slow to be a middle linebacker, and you could really feel in the Buffalo game, and it happens. I watch Griffin and Millsap, and it's just like these guys aren't guys you can have in a playoff rotation anymore. And I think they were actually, with the way this team was constructed, with the three stars, Joe Harris is the fourth contract, Patty Mills as the mid-level exception. And then you need to get lucky with six, seven, eight, and nine. And they just haven't. I Dayron Sharp is interesting. It seems like they're, they're kind of nudging toward him and nudging away from Claxton, who's going to be a free agent. Um, other than that, like they have two-way guys that you can't even use in the playoffs, so they're actually relying on now. But the fact that the, the, the Griffin piece, which they had last year, I don't know why he was good last year, not good this year. But the fact that they don't have him, they still need some sort of center big guy when everybody's back, which they had with Jared Allen. <laughs> they have to throw in they have to throw into the Harden trade. I'm voting Jared Allen for the all-star team. Right. He's a fucking throw-in. Because Houston's like, hey, can you get us one more pick? They're like, cool. Um, all right, I guess we can trade Jared Allen for a, a non-lottery pick in the first round. <laughs> Houston's like, great, let's do that. Um, so it's just that the roster's really flawed. And that's the other thing, where they're going to spend over $100 million on luxury tax, Raja. And they still have a flawed roster. How's that possible? Well, that takes me to the
1: next person that I'm going to have to feel bad for. And maybe I, I shouldn't, but I like him um, because all of that falls squarely on the shoulders of Sean Marks. Yep. That's not a Stevie issue. That's not a KD issue. That's a Sean Marks issue.
0: Right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they're they going to get some reps with Kyrie and Harden without yeah. KD. The KD injury, he's had this, a version of this before that he had with the Warriors that, um, that I, we actually did a podcast with him right after he got injured when he was on the Warriors. And he was like, I thought I was out for the year. to do the MRI. It's like, no, it's actually MCL. It's a couple weeks. We'll see. It could be four weeks. It could be three weeks. It could be eight weeks. Who knows? The only silver lining, if you're them, is at least Kyrene Harden on these road games can play together. I think, I'm wondering if they're going to just say, fuck it and just pay the fine and have Kyrie play home games. Cause what's weird is the unvaccinated guys in the other team can play in Brooklyn and that's fine. But if you actually live there, you can't. So we'll see. But speaking of a front office, screwing a screwing up a team. So you have this Lakers situation. There was a story today in the athletic that Frank Vogel was on the verge of getting fired after that blowout loss the other night. Then the Lakers came back. They beat the jazz last night. Um, a really weird game where Stanley Johnson became the best player in the game. And I'm, I am was watching it, not understanding it. Uh, Utah, a lot of Utah awards popped up, which we can talk about later. But Vogel, everybody's been saying this for two months. Vogel's going to become the fall guy for this. I'm not positive he cares. He got an extension. He won a title. And it's ridiculous to blame him. But you think, like, is it Vogel's fault they traded all of their depth for Russell Westbrook? Is it Vogel's fault they re-signed Talon Horton Tucker and let Caruso go? Is it Vogel's fault that they thought DeAndre Jordan and Trevor Reza could still play basketball when we have three years of evidence now that they can't? Um was it Vogel's fault that they drifted towards shooting and ignored all the Raja Bell types that actually help teams win win titles? Like I, I just don't know how this is the coach's fault, but this is how professional basketball goes. It's exactly how it goes. And I I'm with
1: you in the camp of not so sure Frank Vogel's going to care. Like at this point, <laughs> it's another situation that I'm not envious of the coach to have to be in. It's just, it is a mess. And I would ask the question like, if you were going to fire him, if you were going to fire him after the loss, what, because you won the game, that changed? Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't understand. Like, go ahead and hang it around his neck and, and let's be done with it and let's move on. No, it's not his fault. Like, he didn't have anything to do with that. Um, I would be interested to know. Again, huge, huge LeBron fan, huge LeBron fan. But I was in a front office in Cleveland, um, with LeBron on the team, and I want to be clear: LeBron never, like, comes. Hey, I want you sign this guy right now. Like, that's not the way that works, right? But there is some sort of dialogue between you know your best player and the franchise and the GM as it pertains to talent that he thinks might work with him. You know, that's just a prudent thing to do. Like, you're going to go in and be like, hey, man, you think you can rock with Bill? Like, this Bill? Yeah, man, Bill's going to be great. Boom. Um, I can hit 18 footers. I think I would be able to fit in. <laughs> go ahead. Right. I want to know how much I want to know how much it was a collaborative effort. Uh, how much of it was a collaborative effort between, you know, the front office and LeBron, because I do know he, he favors certain dudes. And I know this as a fact. When you are an aging player um, and LeBron is that like. You see players from your prime in a light that they're not in all the time anymore, right? Like because it's just you're looking at it through your prism, right? I'm still that guy, and so X, Y, and Z was my was my nemesis seven years ago. He's still the guy, and it doesn't work like that, you know. And so that's interesting to me.
0: We used to talk about this with Doc Rivers when he took over the Clippers. They would keep gravitating to these guys that always played well against the Celtics when he was there, the Clippers. So they, the best one was when they signed Byron Mullins to some contract because he'd had this one awesome game against doc. And he was like, Oh, we got Byron Mullins." It's like that you, you, he had the game of his life against your team, um, <laughs> but he would do that over and over again with LeBron. That that's a great point with Westbrook. He's judging him from four years ago. Westbrook. He, LeBron's not on league pass watching all the wizards games last year. Um, he also clearly drove that signing. Like there's no two ways about it because the stories that came out after were I invited Russ over. We had wine. We talked about what it would look like. I, I think they really thought like we'll make this work. You put three great basketballs basketball players on one team. They'll figure it out. And I I was... Borderline apoplectic, and I and I, I can't stay in the Lakers. So on one hand, I was delighted that they made that trade because you <laughs> knew it was like such a low upside, high downside. But I I was more just stunned as in 2021 that somebody could make a mistake like that. That was a mistake that's like out of the the 1980s when they would just go get random dudes and throw them together and be like, oh oh, I guess that's not going to work. This is like we had mountains of evidence that Westbrook can't play off the ball and that lebron has to have the ball all the time so what are we doing
1: no i hear you and having haven't haven't said i hear you um i thought it might work i'm got you really? on, on your i, I no did. i've said it i thought i thought it might work i thought and here's you know i yes i i knew that i did i know russ has had the ball um lebron has to have the ball somewhere deep down inside of me i wanted to think that the two of them at this point knowing it was probably the last go around we're going to be able to figure that out. And what I thought with two aging with two aging stars, right? Like both on the back side of it. What I thought could float them was the the one star that wasn't in the same class as them in terms of, you know, age and 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 point in career, which was which was AD's kind of young, vibrance. like and yep. you know, both of you take a little bit off your plate, let him go to work and then become, you know, and none of that's come to fruition. So, I'm kicking myself in the ass because I should have known and I but
0: I was so hard-headed and I and I you know, I just thought hey, maybe they'll they'll work it out. Russell and I went all in on this will not work out. And I've watched way more of the Lakers than I, I want to admit. Yeah. Either it's a beautiful train wreck or they'll have moments like last night where it kind of clicks a little bit. Westbrook has a dunk over Gobert. Um Westbrook has the game clinching three point play and Stanley Johnson comes in, he's doing stuff. And now it's like, all right, this is like now Davis comes back. But defensively, it's just never going to happen because it's too hard for them to sustain even like a C plus defensive effort. So if shots aren't going in for even a quarter, they completely fall apart. And, you know, LeBron at this point in his career, like it's a little like the Brady had this issue in the Patriots where. Not only is he incredibly famous, and not only does he have the ball a lot, but he's also playing in some cases with people who are like 13, 15, 16 years younger than him, mm-hmm. who grew up watching him and maybe idolizing him. And it's it's hard to play with your idols. Kobe had the same thing. Um I, Jordan had the same thing when he was on the Wizards. It's you're not really a teammate at that point. You're you're kind of levitating above everybody. Davis, he's fine with because you know, they same agency and, you know, he's a little older, but for the most part, you're relying on some of these young kids who grew up watching LeBron. And now it's like, Hey, here's a huge pressure situation. You've got to make these fourth quarter shots. I don't know. It's just, it's a mess. And I I don't know how you fix it. Cause the worst thing about the Westbrook trade for them, I keep making this point is it removed all their flexibility. If it doesn't work, you have no plan B. And that's why I hated the trade. I didn't, hate the chance that they took as much as the fact that because of his contract, there was no way out. You do yeah. this and it doesn't work. You have no outs. And LeBron, he's got under contract this year, is under contract next year. Same for Westbrook. Westbrook might be a little tradable, more tradable next year because he's an expiring. Still going to be tough. He's like going to be at like $47 million. And when you have no outs at the age LeBron is at, the ship has probably sailed. So they're going to need Davis to come back, and they'll need Davis to be the best big guy in the West. Other than Jokic, is really their only path for this working out. That that's
1: it. I mean, that's the only and and I don't, you know, this is hard for me to say because, but I'm going to say it. Like the style that LeBron plays, um, was a championship bringer. Um, I the bubble was weird for me, Bill. Like the. The bubble year, yeah, they won the chip, but I mean, so much going on that year. Like, I don't, I don't know that if that had been a regular season and you had to play that out, I don't know that they were going to be my favorite to win a chip. Like, I'm glad they did. I was pulling for them. But the style, the style LeBron plays, um, you know, the league has transitioned to a lot of people getting a lot of touches, a lot of playmakers out in space and pace. Well, when you play with LeBron, it's all the antithesis of that, right? Like, it's a lot of people kind of standing around. LeBron's got the ball and we don't really want to run. Like, we don't want to get up and down as much, you know? And so, I think it becomes harder and harder, not only because they're, they're like, it's this generational gap and some of these guys might be your, your you know, have idolized you, but I think stylistically, not a lot yeah. of people play that style anymore, you know? And so, you you get all these pieces, whether they're great pieces or not, but you're not even getting the best out of them because of the style that you play. And if you're going to do it, then you've got to be lebron from three four years ago like do you know what i mean like you got an ad not just not just brown because i like again i think what he's doing is amazing but ad's got to be the dude you're talking about like you know r- russ you got to cut the shit with all the turnovers and you have to be the russ you know at least in the in the limited amount of touches you're going to get you got to be that russ from three or four years ago and if you're not going to all be those people because we're our ball's not moving and we're slow and all of that and we don't defend then you don't have You're you're a
0: seven or eight seed, man. Like, you ain't winning nothing. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Vrbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are gonna figure that out? That y'all packed up your car at like 11.30 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah. All they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe named Best Home Security System in 2024 by U.S. News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is SimplySafe.com slash BS. There was a really fascinating moment yesterday in the Utah game. Like four minutes left, Westbrook wasn't back in. And Rasil and I were tight. They finally put him back in with like 3.14 left because they had made... They were playing better when he wasn't out there for a variety of reasons. Uh, Mostly because they usually play better when he's not out there. Um, And Rasil was like, oh, Vogel had to put Russ back in. like, Because it was in play for... He just... Was going to get benched for the whole fourth quarter. Which, if you're Vogel and and you feel like the heat is on, that's the last thing, right? Like, fuck it, I'm (laughs) Russ. You're out. I got to go with the five guys that have a chance to win. You said something interesting about the stylistic stuff with LeBron because I've talked about this before, and of course, people get mad because God forbid you. It sounds like a critique. It's not. Some guys are just harder to play with than other guys, you know. And and I think about this a lot with the Celtics, Tatum and Jalen with the way their offense has, has kind of devolved really hard to play with. They're one-on-one guys. They don't have a point guard. And over and over again, you have these young guys that play with them that are forced to basically stand in the corner. They're not enabled in any way. And, you know, you, you said you've been watching a lot of Memphis. The thing that jumps out at me with Memphis is how non-ball dominant Ja is. they, Really, really, really go out of their way to enable all these other people, and Bain gets possessions, and Brooks mm. gets possessions, and they'll run stuff through Kyle Anderson, and they're just the ball's moving, and nobody has it for too long, and Ja will happily go to the corner, or the, or it'll seem like he's going to the corner, then all of a sudden they're setting him a sneaky pick, he's coming around, but it's inclusive, and that's why it's like, well, why is Bain developed like he has? Well because they wanted him to develop. Whereas I look at a guy like Neesmith, who I really liked on the Celtics, who I thought was coming on last year. And now he took a three corner three yesterday. They hit the side of the backboard and he's borderline unplayable. And it's because he's just told to run to the corner. He's not enabled at all. So going back to the LeBron thing, like I think this is, we've seen a 12 year sample size of this now where other than Kyrie and other than Davis, I think he has been a little hard to play with. Like Kevin Love definitely goes to Cleveland and his career's really not the same for about four years there. But somebody like Malik Monk, who was hot for five games and now all of a sudden he's not playing crunch time again, but how do you get in a groove when you don't have the ball a lot? And also how do you go to other people when you have LeBron James under the on the court? It's like this chicken and egg thing. So, yeah. so we're gonna tell LeBron to stand in the corner? That doesn't make sense either. Absolutely no. We so it's lo- hard to develop people, and I, I think Kuzma is a good example of this. Kuzma has been the best guy on the Wizards now for a month, and yep. was somebody that you would watch in Laker games. You'd be like, "Is this guy even an NBA rotation guy?" I don't know.
1: Yeah, you need opportunity to develop, right? You need you need opportunity, and it's a, it's. I'm not judging. It's a very difficult thing. I've said this about me before. Like, you know, when when I when I was in Utah before I went to Phoenix, our offense was kind of. Wide open. Now we were in Jerry's style, but within that style, you know, I posted up a little bit. I mm. I had the ball in my hand on the wings. I came off a of pick and roll, and I was learning how to play pick and roll. I wasn't great at it, but I was learning. Right, no one had ever given me the ball before in the NBA, so I didn't know shit. Yeah. I was running around just defending and running wild, but I was starting to understand how to score. Like, oh, you know, I get in this situation, I get a switch. Just be patient. I'm going to be good. I got something on me that I can cook. Like I was starting to learn. And then I went to Phoenix and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, those were the best years of my life, the best teams I ever played on, but my game stayed right there. Stagnated. It just stopped. I became a run to the corner shooter. That's what I was going to be. It was probably the best thing because I don't know that I was good enough to play the the role of anything better than that on an NBA level. Um, But the point is I have experience with that, right? Like you're now your job, like get it to Steve. He's going to run pick and roll and you guys are going to shoot when that pick and roll doesn't work. And so I was like, you know, as a, I was getting paid well and we wanted to win. And so then you dig into that role and be the best you can. But as you're trying to develop talent, like I was older, but as you're trying to develop young talent that can kind of help a LeBron or someone like that, I mean, there's got to be opportunity, right? you got to get off the ball a little bit to give them the breath to kind of to grow. Not that LeBron doesn't, but the style that he plays, it's not enough for everyone out there to really kind of dig into to who they are as a player.
0: Well, and there's also certain guys that it makes sense for them to be on a team like that. Like the Celtics have Grant Williams, who I had given up on last year, but I think has emerged as a rotation asset this year. And the reason is he just became really good at corner threes because he's not, he's too small to post up. He's a good, he's a good rebounder, um, but ultimately you're not going to run plays for him. So if he can't learn to shoot from the corner, there's no reason to have him. Right. But he learned how to shoot. Now he's one of the best corner three guys. So it's like, he makes sense. But when I look at some of the perimeter guys in the league or even some of the point guards, like like after watching Dennis Schroeder for half of the Celtics season, I can't believe he played with LeBron. Like, it's such a bad <laughs> combo. Like <laughs> Schroeder's like, the defense is just sag off him completely. And uh, I can understand why the Lakers were anxious to get rid of him. But I look at a guy like Kuzma, As a really good example of, sometimes it's not awesome to play with an incredible player, Um, because Kuzma has blossomed. Yeah, in a way that if I was a Laker fan, I would be losing my mind. That even just Kuzma for Westbrook is a terrible trade. Kuzma at sixteen million for Westbrook for forty-four. That alone is a horrible trade. Not to mention you gave two other guys in it. (laughs) Hey, well, listen, my my people,
1: it's hard to it's hard to hear, but. That 2001 Sixers team, I got there late um, and I was around for that run and then the next year and that was a, you know, that was an, that was Allen Iverson offensive team and then you were gritty and grimy defensively. I, I'm i not going to say any names but there were people on that team that, you know, you're like, shit, I, I want the ball. Like, I'd like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm an NBA player. <laughs> like, I want to taste it. I, I can do some things and it just, you know, the opportunity wasn't there. So, you know, that kind of exists and it puts you you know, it puts you it puts you in, in kind of a box, but that box can make you more valuable. Like you said about Grant Williams, like you said about me, it made me more valuable. People wanted me because they knew that I knew what I was coming in there to do. I was coming in there to defend, and I was coming in there
0: to shoot the ball. And I, and there were no mistakes. I wasn't gonna be stepping on anybody's toes. And that's what made that 0-1 Sixers team so special for how it blended with Iverson because it's really hard to find those guys that blend. Iverson, top three or four most difficult guy I think to play with. Because he had to have the ball all the time, and that was just the way it went. And he was going to go thirteen for thirty and twelve for twenty nine, and that's just the way it was going to go. Plus slower pace, but mm. it had to be people who were who were ready to shoot if he if he passed to you, or people that rebounded and played defense. And so that 0-1 team had a lot of those guys. And then as they tried to replicate that over the next five years, guess what? It's hard to find those guys. It's hard, it's hard and it's hard to find guys who are happy to do that. You know, and you you, started, you had Air McKee and Snow and Matumbo and all these dudes, but there weren't a lot of them. No, there weren't. And you started get you start you
1: did you started getting to the space that we're talking about with LeBron, where you got younger talent that has to grow, and there's just not enough room for them to grow with the way you play.
0: Like like Horton Tucker, who I don't know if he's uh, an NBA starter or not. From what I've seen, he's probably not. But I know this Lakers team makes no sense for him. With, like He seems like somebody, he's a little, he reminds me of, uh, it's weird because they're different, but Karis LeVert, same kind of way where Karis Levert's kind of, he's over here and he's going to do his thing. And TJ Warren's a little bit like this too. Like these guys that are kind of these one man scoring people. They're probably not that much fun to play with, but on the right team, you need guys like that. Um, I don't know how those guys have ever made sense with LeBron. Yeah. Be- only it's, o- It just doesn't. So I, you know,
1: those guys for me, it's probably not fair to them, but I always see anytime you say a name like that and you describe a game like that, do you know what they are for me? It's probably not fair. It's generalization. It's losing, six, losing players. No, there's yeah, but there's six men on good teams. Yeah, right. You 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 just, you plug them in. You let LeBron come off the floor. You let him go crazy. If he's cooking, great. If he's not, we're going to go right back, you know, and there are degrees of six, six men, but like, you know, those guys, and I play with a lot of them, just. They're going to get buckets. What I do is get buckets. I had one tell me once, sometimes when you ask somebody to play defense, it just takes away from their offense. That
0: kind of guy, you're a six-man, bud. Come in, get buckets. Right. And that, by the way, that's what Cleveland needs right now. Yeah. Because I think Cleveland, I watched them again. They won another one yesterday. The chemistry is unbelievable. They have three just banger young players. The Garland and and, uh, Allen and then Mobley, who's my favorite player to come in the league in a while. Um, but the one thing they need is the guy you just mentioned who, because they lost, uh, Colin Sexton, they lost Rubio. Mm -hmm. Rubio was really, even though he wasn't shooting that well, he was important for them because he was inclusive. Um, but then now they need the one guy who can carry them for little seven minute stretches in each half, right? When the, when Garland's out or whatever, there's the guy that that I tweeted yesterday, Eric Gordon would be the absolute perfect guy for them to get. And they have Rubio's expiring. They have picks. He can come off the bench. The good thing about him is he actually isn't just the he, "it's all about me" guy. He can also like we've seen him be able to play with uh with other people too in another scenario. So, um, I I tweeted the standings yesterday. I was stunned by how close the Cavs were to the top. Like we're in situations where the Cavs and Memphis are legitimate top four teams, which I don't even know what the odds would like. I mean, in each conference, like they. Oh, like potential top four seeds. If you in were each to conference. ask
1: me who could win a championship right now, like like both of those names, like crazy. But if you look statistically at what they're doing, both of those
0: names cannot be left out of that conversation right now. As far as statistics, you yeah. can't can't leave them out. We think like, and I was trying to figure this out because we're we're past the midway point, but All Star Games coming, so it's a good reset. I still, I would still put my money on Milwaukee in the East, just because of the pedigree. And they, you know, now Holiday's out. Um, I they'll probably get Lopez back in time. I think Miami. I've been watching them a lot lately. Miami's the team, Raja. Would we out of the thirty team, Raja draft? for what team would I want to play twelve minutes for? Miami's your team, right? Yeah, Miami's fun. <laughs> they, they get it. <laughs> Lowry and Lowry and Butler are just screaming incoherently at each other and chest bumping, and it's just it's like game forty-two. Yeah, uh, they get it. <laughs> but they have the shooting. Bam's coming back, and I think that's at some point they're going to be the sexy upside pick yeah. in the in the East, especially if uh, we don't know when Durant's come back. But Cleveland is so fucking weird to play, where they're just like we're just going to play three big guys. And Mobley is so special defensively. We're going to be allowed to do this. And we are going to zag. The the league's zigging. We're zagging. We're going to do this. It's really weird to play. And somehow, we are awesome defensively. And we get stops. And we have a special player in Garland who, um, who in the last three minutes of a game will get us good shots. And that's going to be enough. And so far, it's been enough.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't see everything coming. Um, but some of this you could see. Like like Atlanta, you know, I kind of, people hated when I said, I kind of saw this one coming. Like some things you see coming. I had no idea that this was coming. What did you
0: not like in Atlanta? Too many guys? I, yeah, too many guys. Too, too, too
1: many guys kind of at similar points in their career. Um, hmm. You know, uh, I thought a year ahead of schedule last year. So, you know, that kind of puts young people especially into the weird summer space where the hunger isn't always there. Like there were a lot of things that I mm. thought would, would kind of have them take a step back. But I couldn't have called Cleveland, even after my buddy, you know, my buddy Kobe Altman told me. He was like, yeah, we really you know, we really like what we have going on and all that. I just, I was like, yeah, okay, bud. good talking to you.
0: <laughs> I talked to Zach Lowe before the season and we were just kind of batting around teams. And I was afraid to tell anyone that I really like Cleveland's team because they just had a bunch of guys I liked, and I I was all in on Mobley, like all in. Yep. And I was like, I, I kind of like Cleveland. And Zach's like, oh, I do too. And <laughs> we just like we had one of those moments, and uh, we took them for the over. and We did the over unders. I thought they had a chance to be like a playing team and maybe go like forty three and thirty nine would be like the high upside. What's been shocking to me is that they can get stops and create good shots over and over again in crunch time. And I did not see the Garland thing coming. He was a little bit polarizing in the draft. Rosillo loved him. Some some of our guys loved him. But, you know, undersized, shooting guard as a point guard, you just never know with that. We've seen it go either way. I think what's been cool about him is uh, how innovative he is offensively and how fucking competitive he is. And it goes back to, we've talked about this before, like just competitive people. I'm I'm just always gravitating toward them when I'm drafting, yeah. especially yeah. at the at the high level. Like, do you give a shit? Garland gives a shit. He's tough. Um, so anyway, I I like that team. You you've been watching some Memphis, and we can end on this. Um, and Memphis has been the darling, especially it's been a big podcast topic the last couple of weeks. Um, they have a trade to make. I'll be interested to see if they make it because their chemistry is so good Mm -hmm. that you could argue don't make the trade. But they have three first-round picks. They have Adams, who they could, who's an expiring next year. Kyle Anderson. Would you mess with this team if you're the GM? Would you Would you try to upgrade anything, or are you just riding with what you have right now?
1: I think I'm riding, Bill, Hmm. Um, because I think this team more than a lot of other teams is built on that chemistry, that that vibe that they seem to have. The You know, you talked about John Morant's willingness earlier in the pod to kind of be over in the corner and off the ball and now trusting that I'm going to be brought back to the ball and it's not that yeah. I'm just going to, you know, wither away over in that corner. Like there's a lot of trust that goes into people, you know, being willing to give up a little bit of themselves or give up the ball a little bit um for the greater good. And that comes off the screen when I watch them play like you know it 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 comes it comes across like a fun team to be on a fun team to to um work with and so I don't you know if I could upgrade and I didn't have to give up something like integral to what we were doing out there maybe I would. So if you're talking about a draft pick maybe and I don't have to give up one of the main p—like, if there was something out there, I wouldn't say no, but I'm not giving up any of the pieces that are really out there playing meaningful minutes. I can't do
0: that. Um, Yeah, I would have said Adams as the piece, but there was a moment I was watching Bulls Grizzlies yesterday. Ja got wrapped up by some Bulls guy who held on to, I think it was Tony Bradley held on to him too long. Ja got mad and shoved him. Yeah. Adams comes right in, grabs the guy behind him And pulls him away and was basically like, "You will not touch John Moran. (laughs) Like that's that's it. Don't do that again." He might
1: have the least amount of value, like on the court. I haven't looked into the statistics, but I'd argue that a dude like that, like he's probably behind closed doors, one of the backbones of what they do there. Do you know what I mean? Beloved teammate
0: and and the first guy in anytime anything's going on. So I, I actually wouldn't trade him.
1: Yeah, but. You know, I love the reason. Not that you asked me. The reason I love. I, first of all, I've been on John, like the John Morant signature shoe deal. Like I like Memphis. This isn't two weeks for me. I've been telling, like, come on, man. Like, man, we got to pick up on Memphis. But, but uh, they they just get up and down. Like they're number one in the league in fast breaks. They turn you over. They're out. They're aggressive defensively. They're in the passing lanes. Um, and I just, I just love how it's opportunity for dudes that that like Bane and like Dylan Dylan mm. Brooks, who I didn't see coming. A few years ago, but just is like your spiritual son, Dylan Brooks. Yeah. You talk about competitive, like I'm not taking any shit from anyone. And yes, I could do like, they have a bunch of cats like that. And I really, I really enjoy watching them hoop. Yeah. You could, you could have definitely been on that team. Yeah. I'd like to play on that team. Now Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks is way better than I, than I thought he was going to be, but the way they get down, the way they, they strap up the way that ball
0: moves. I would, yes, I would. That's one of, it's one of a handful of teams that I would have liked to play it on. Really fun. See, the league's just fucking deep. Like I, we're gonna do all-star picks with House in a second. The, uh, the, the fact that the East is now deep from a talent standpoint, and the West is—I mean, you think of all the guys that are injured this year. We have, we don't have um, Davis, and we don't have Dame, and you know, we now we don't have Durant. We have mm-hmm. Kyrie half the time. We we lost Jamal Murray. We lost Michael Porter. Like yep. we've lost like seven or eight guys on top of all of these awesome young guys that we have. But the 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 biggest thing is this draft was this 2021 draft, I think, has a chance to be remembered as impactful. Cause Mobley and Cade and Giddy and they they're just Kaminga as yeah. as a fucking X Factor. Kirk casually dropping. Giannis in a Kaminga sentence last week. I was like, "Whoa, Kurt <laughs> like, Kurd likes him." Uh, anyway, uh, all right, Raja, we'll let you go back to um, to wh- what's the plan today? What's it? You have a prodigy QB son. Yeah, we're going to a workout
1: right now at two thirty. Man, he's got his his quarterback trainer, and then I then we got varsity basketball at three forty five. Bill, and then right after that, I got my seventh grade team at six. So I'm pretty packed
0: this afternoon. So you're coaching the seventh graders. Yeah, I coach a high school team and I coach 7th graders, yes. So the 7th graders, a little uh, little touchy, right? Yeah, a little, a little yeah, t- yeah, It's a touchy age. 7th grade's touchy. It's yeah, a lot going just, on. Got hormones going on, all they're, kinds of things.
1: they are become little buttheads like right around there. Like some of them right. are little buttheads already. Some of them are, yeah. So it's hard to keep the reins. You got to keep the reins real tight with that group.
0: My least favorite grade. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all right, Raja, we can listen to you on Real Ones. That's on it, the Ringer NBA show. Good to see Hello. you as always. Thanks for having me, brother. Anytime. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. The experts at eBay know that inspecting every tick of your next watch is time well spent. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that every tick of your next timepiece is authentic. Time and time again, every movement inspected, every crown checked, and face verified eBay dedicates time to the details, and with authenticity guaranteed, they've got your back. Shop with the same confidence you'll feel when you put on that new timepiece. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes, little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock, and it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority. And therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month, 10%. That's betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons. All right, Joe House is here. He is doing a little House of Carbs experiment on our revamped food feed, which is now called Ringer Food. He's also on the Fairway Rolling podcast and with uh, Warren Sharp on Fridays on the Ringer Gambling Show. We're going to talk NBA first just because Raja was on. We we're talking NBA. I have to put in all-star picks by Saturday House. It's surprisingly non-controversial for the most part. I'm going to throw some questions. Okay. So, okay. you know, you look at... um you know, the starters, which the fans have input, who the hell knows how it's going to play out. But Embiid, Durant, Giannis in the East. And then the guards I've seen go different ways. I'm going to vote for Trey and DeRozan. Some other people would push for Levine or Harden there, but uh Trey's offensive season. DeRozan's a forward. I'm, you know, cheating a little bit, but I just feel like those have been the best five guys. Embiid, Durant, Giannis, to Rose. Durant's not playing because he's hurt. But does that five sound right for you, or would you throw in Harden or Levine? I don't have
2: any quibble. Who's going to replace Durant in the game? Does it, We don't care about that for voting
0: purposes? We don't. We don't. But that, that okay. does come into All play right. because my next seven, Levine, Van Vliet, Butler, Harden, Garland, Jared Allen, Tatum. I have to have two Cavs. I love that team. I have to reward them. So Lamello was on the outs for me. And it basically came down to Van Vliet, Harden, Garland, and Lamelo for three spots. Tatum makes it just because the forward pool is so weak this year. Lamello I have as 13th, but he gets in because KD's not playing. And this is like my most important thing with the All-Star game this year is Lamello has to be in the game. That should be our number one priority, right?
2: It's a really, really important addition to the mix because of the kind of player that he's revealed himself to be. He has so much swag, so much flair. He really, he he deserves it. Charlotte is playing very well, and they've continued to be above water, even with, you know, Hayward, the typical Hayward in the lineup, not in the lineup. Um, I guess, you know, I have to, to, for the starting five thing, just give a real quick shout out to Levine. Yeah, he's been. I I, I fear him, DeRozan. I'm, I I think he's earned it. I love that you know he's getting all this shine, and we're talking about MVP, and he'll get some votes, and that's cool. Good for good for Demar to to get to this level, to you know, constantly working his ass off to reinvent his game to get better. I don't fear Demar DeRozan. I fear Zach Levine.
0: Interesting. Yeah, they're 1A, 1B. I just, Rosen because of what he brought to that team and some of the end-of-the-game shots and just how ridiculously, uh, meticulously efficient he's been in the fourth quarters. But yeah, if you're going to get technical... Deserve. Yeah, if you're going to get technical and go, wait, you can't have DeRozan because you already have three big... You have three forward centers on the team, so you got to have two guards. I'm fine with putting Levine there. The, uh, the LaMelo thing, we always talk about how the All-Star game ebbs and flows depending on how many fun point guard type people there are, right? And we've had years where Chris, once Steve Nash retired, where it was like, oh my God. And Jason Kidd was another one that we lost. And then it was like, oh my God, there's so much pressure on Chris Paul now. He's the only one who knows how to run an all-star game. LaMelo is going to be just really important for the next 12, 15 years. By the way, not that the all-star game really matters, but it can be an awesome, fun, upside viewing experience if the point guards are there
2: and on top of that we do continue to use it as a marker for a player's you know achievement as we look back at the the top 75 rankings you know of the of this year with the anniversary number of times on an all-star team do do weigh in a little bit
0: yeah and also who who's out there with seven minutes left a lot of times is a nice reflection on who the best eight to 12 guys are in the league, because for the most part, you know, Dame was out there for a couple of years and um, now he's out, but you think like you go to the West, the West is tougher because Jokic and LeBron, and I think Curry just from, even though he tailed off a little bit, I still think those three are going to start. But then, do you just go with three guards? Because the best five guys in the West this year have been Jokic, LeBron, Curry, Morant, and CP3. And that's all I'm going to vote for. It's bending the rules a little bit because you're basically doing the three-guard lineup. You could say Curry can play off the ball, whatever. But uh, that's my next question for you. Are you okay with me bending the lineup? Of course, yes. Okay. We're, we're in positionalist NBA. That's the era that we're in. Okay, because the, the if you weren't okay with it, now we have to have the Carl Anthony Towns conversation. I had him as my bubble starter guy because Luca, you know, Luca missed too many games and I he needs to be penalized for coming in too heavy. Towns, somebody that you and I have been incredibly frustrated with over the years, I really like what I've seen this year from him. Critical of. Yeah. Um, well,
2: and, and, you know, we, we have long wondered whether his inconsistency is attributable to. Franchise instability, coaching instability, coaching—you know—under uh, uh, underwhelming coaches, weird,
0: weird teammates.
2: And, you know this yeah. Well, re- weird mix, sure. All of it.
0: Yeah. So, are you are you buying town stock? Like, where are you? Because I like them. Like, it- yo, sure, I'm buying town stock. Me too.
2: I'm rooting for them to make the playoffs. I think the the West is more interesting.
0: If Minnesota is in the playoff mix. Well, it would be fun to have Edwards in the playoffs. My backups would be Towns. It's weird. The West is like very easy to figure out. The backups would be Towns, Luca, Mitchell, Draymond, Booker, Gobert. And then I have Murray as the 12th guy. I I think he's been one of the 12 best guys I saw in the West. I've seen a couple. there's, There's other lists I've seen out there where like maybe Edwards gets in there. There's some Andrew Wiggins buzz. Uh, Paul George can't be penalized because he missed too many games. He's got to be on there. I get it. But I think Murray's been really good. I mean, to the point that it's inconceivable now that they would flip him in a Ben Simmons trade. I think he is a better asset and he might actually be more of a winning player than Simmons is. So that's my 12. And I don't really think there's an argument. What do you think?
2: It's not, it's, it's, I, I think you're right. I would love to figure out a way to get Edwards in, but I don't think it should come at the
0: expense of Murray. Um, well, somebody will get injured and, too. Yeah the 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 actual All Star game isn't for four or five weeks, so I'm sure out of those twelve guys, somebody gets injured. So, um, just very small arguments: Jared Allen or Mobley. I went with Allen because I think he's been more consistent. I just absolutely love Mobley, but um, he's also you can make a case. Allen's the second best center in the East, unless you want to call Giannis a center, then he's third. But either way. It feels right for me for to pick him over Mobley, but you know I I freaking love Mobley. It was hard to leave him off, and I'm hoping if there's one more injury, I think he's the next bubble guy after Lamelo.
2: Oh wow, that's
0: interesting. Yeah. So Allen or Allen or Mobley, you'd go Allen. It you, seems like you
2: have Mobley ahead of of uh, Bridges.
0: Yeah, I have for bubble guys: Mobley, Jalen, Bridges, Holiday, Sabonis. And then it dips off to that Bradley Beal, Middleton hero group. But yeah, I just think, I just value the winning stuff, right? And the Cavs have, <laughs> the Cavs aren't that far away now from having the best record in the East. And it's because of Mobley and Garland and Allen over anything else. So, and the stuff, the fact that Mobley defensively can guard anybody allows them to play these weird big lineups that nobody knows what to do with. They're really hard to play. It's just because of what he can do. So yeah, I value the Mobley thing. but I. I I'm probably overthinking that because I value the winning stuff too much.
2: He's going to make all rookie first team. He, you know, will remain in the conversation for rookie of the year if he can r- remain healthy.
0: And I think that's that's this will be the last him. year he's not in the All-Star game. So Evan Moby, if you're listening, this is your last. I year. I agree. Uh, Murray or Edwards, you agree with me on on uh, on Murray over Edwards?
2: As long as you can assure me that Edwards is going to get in because of an injury, yes, okay. that's fine.
0: And you're okay with Luka not being a starter?
2: I am extremely okay with Luka not being a starter. There has to be a price for the fork. The fork has to cost you something.
0: Who do you have as your MVP so far in the I can't believe you came in this heavy rankings for this season? Do you Luka over Harden, right?
2: Oh, it got to be Luka over Harden, yeah. Because we we... And I don't know whether this is a function of of media hype or what but you know every year the last couple two years we've entered the season with uh Luca at the top of the odds as an yeah, MVP right. candidate and both times he's shown up fat.
0: Right. I was thinking about it when we were in college we used to go to the all you can eat at Papajinos on Tuesday nights and we would go to Fat Dickies and you could see how many how much barbecue you could eat in two hours. And we would go to the ground round because they had the chicken wings thing and we would drink beer and all this stuff. Luca isn't really much older than we were in college when we were doing all that stuff. Maybe he just, you know, maybe maybe we just have to think of him as like a college kid, basically. Somebody who's going to make some mistakes, do some dumb things. And when he's 25, all of a sudden, that's when he's going to find yoga and gluten-free and all these things. But right now he's like we were.
2: Well, we only went to those places after we played basketball for three hours. That, that is true. I mean, like we 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 created the calorie deficit and then we refilled. We refueled and refilled.
0: Do you think people still do that? We actually did. I feel like we were ahead of our time a little bit in the late 80s, early 90s. We would use the exercise to then justify the overeating. Not that you needed a lot of justification for the overeating, but. Um, we would feel like we had earned it in some way. I don't feel like Luca's really came into <laughs> came into the season feeling like he had earned the calories would be my guess
2: i, I not sure that that yeah I um, agree
0: with you okay so this is the least controversial all star kind of process we've had in a while it's I, I wish there were more fun arguments, but there's just not let's uh let's talk football, Kyla Murray. I knew somebody was burning me yesterday. I didn't know if it was going to be the Rams or the Cards. I fell into the, when in doubt, take the point" strategy, which um, is usually the right strategy. Because there was a scenario last night where Matt Stafford just throws four picks. What was stunning to me was how bad Kyler was. Like I, it, it felt like he was on his way to that Jake DeLome to January 2009 game. He, I disagreed with every choice he made. He wasn't accurate. He was frenetic. He was whipping screen passes, 110 miles an hour, that two yard pick 60 through even before that happened. It was like, what's going on with this guy? It was like, it was like watching Ben Simmons against the Hawks was the feeling I was getting came out after halftime. And he was, it seemed like he had calmed down, but man, he was so bad in that game. And I, I, I've also been on the flip side where you go against Kyle Murray and he's incredible, and I do wonder like if he was good in that game, is the result different, or were the Rams just better? We'll never know because he was so bad. But it makes me really worried about what what is this guy going forward because he's just been too all over the map. He's been in the league now for a few years, and is this guy somebody who could win multiple games in a row in the playoffs? I don't know. What do you think?
2: I'm not prepared to talk about him. On, a, on an island I'm not prepared to just say here's my evaluation of Kyler to me he's inextricably linked to Kingsbury it's it's Kyler and Cliff what's the game plan what's the scheme to take the most pressure off of Kyler um ha, th- this is the thing that we the, the rule that we broke yeah ha- we had a an a, a, a playoff rookie going up against a guy that has played the yep. playoffs before and you know the playoff rookies, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, um who's the other one? I'm I'm not thinking of right now. Mac Jones. Well, we had Burrow, uh, and, Burrow and Burrow versus Carr. Yeah, but that yep. one doesn't matter. That one doesn't count. When you in in with the the you know, the trend that we've had and it's been around for a long time is a playoff rookie, playoff virgin going up against a more experienced guy, even if if they've only played in a handful of games, it it matters. It looked like he was completely flummoxed by the speed of the game. It felt like watching a college quarterback, you know, a a rookie beginning his NFL career early on, you know, the week one, week two games, not acclimated to the speed of the game. He wasn't up to playoff speed and Kingsbury didn't do anything to help him. And, you know, it was the game was over in, in the first five minutes, like many of the games that we watched this weekend.
0: It really did feel that way. I don't know the answer with him because he's so short that the teams that seem to keep him in the pocket, it just seems to escalate bad decisions. But then you've seen other games where it's like nobody can keep him in the pocket and he's just running around and doing whatever he wants. But he is one of those guys that you kind of know pretty quickly what you're getting in the game, right? If you bet on him or against him. I feel like I know within 20 minutes what I'm getting. Yesterday, I was getting skittish, um, really weird energy, Kyler, which I, you think like the QB is the leader of the team. Uh, when you see your, your leader look that kind of rattled, that's not going to go up, well. but maybe for the manifesto, maybe the rule is playoff virgin, playoff virgin QBs on the road. Maybe that's, maybe that's a rule. I think I, I think I'm going to have to it's make it there. A rule.
2: It's been there forever. It's been out there. It's not a new, a new, uh thing. The other thing we have to remember if we're going to talk about Kyler is missing um, DeAndre. the The Cardinals have yeah. stunk since DeAndre's gotten hurt. They they haven't. You know, the only uh, credible win they had was going on the road to Dallas, beating Dallas in a place where Kyler hasn't lost. Um, you know,
0: part- has
2: he ever lost at, at at that at Jerry World? I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's the one um, place that he kind of owns.
2: Yeah, but that um, was their only right, so win.
0: You, so you're talking to Sharp. I'm going to be doing million dollar picks on Thursday, and You're going to be doing picks with Sharp on Friday. It's tough because I really like the Niners. I want to know what I'm getting from Bosa and Warner. Not going to like them as much if I'm getting none of one guy, half of another guy. But that line's too high, the five and a half. And I think they could win the game. They they check a lot of my boxes. I don't think it matters if they're on the home or on the road. They have playmakers. I like their defense. I think they're built to win close games. It's a bad matchup for the Packers. But if I'm not getting those two guys, that makes me worried. The, the Rams-Bucks, Sal and I had to guess the Lions. And I think I guessed four and a half. And he guessed four on Sunday night. And the line is three. And I think it's partly three because the Rams looked so good yesterday. I agree. You're right. But that that's also a manifesto rule of beware of the team that looked a little too good the previous round. I don't believe in the Rams. Do you? The, only, the only interesting thing about them in the cards game was the Cam Akers piece. I wasn't expecting well, that, that, that.
2: That was an unexpected wrinkle. It adds a complexity to their offense, but the thing that was more impressive was the defense, and if they are able to mount pressure that replicates, it doesn't have to be a 100% version of what they did to the Cardinals, but if it's 75% of what they did to the Cardinals, if they make Tom Brady uncomfortable... Um, that 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 changes the game that makes it you know a, a field goal kind of game. Tampa's been incredible at home all season long um, yeah. and they, and they 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 just score points um I'm rooting for a shootout just because I think that would be um tremendous fun, but you know that Rams defense was something else last night.
0: What was your worst bet of round one uh
2: i I just a small bet on on uh the Cardinals last night. I I I um, did really well, and, and Twitter was very complimentary. I had the under in the Cincinnati Vegas game that came through. <laughs> Twitter, miraculously. Twitter was
0: complimentary.
2: Wow, I know it's hard to believe. I, my favorite bet of the weekend was the Niners money line, and I liked um, Tampa w- laying the eight and a half. I had no problem at all with that, and and you know f- people appreciated it.
0: Yeah, we had we hit a couple of them, a million dollar picks. The Tampa KC bet was our big bet. The T's. And great one. The KC game got to where I wanted it to go where just like just give them a lead. Make Roethlisberger have to come from behind down 10 or more and we're and we're golden. And that's what happened. Then they got so big of a lead the garbage time touchdowns which is really where where Ben has been thriving the last couple of years down like 20 25. Starting to come back, I was starting to get a little worried about uh about we had an alternate line 20 and a half with the Chiefs, and I was like, oh my God, I have to sweat this out. They were up like 30 It points. got close. He, yeah.
2: They were ro- going right down the field. My favorite tease was Tampa down to two and a half, and the Niners up to, to nine from three mm. to nine, because the Niners, you know, Dallas was not going to win by two scores under any iteration, I didn't feel like, and so that one hit, and that was a good one.
0: There's some good teaser possibilities this week, especially being able to take the Bills to eight and a half. That line's two and a half right now. We're going to talk about that on Thursday, but uh I feel like that's that's a who gets it last game, and especially totally now agree. that we know that the yeah now that we know that the Bills are just going to put Josh in shotgun and unleash him and do that thing, I think that game's going to have a crazy pace. Though the over under right now is fifty four and a half, which I don't know, still seems low to me. You could t- you could talk <laughs> me into like fifty nine. It's like a re- if they're going to the Bills are going to play at that pace. This feels like a like. Remember that Pat's Chiefs game a couple years ago where it was like, it was, what was it thirty seven to thirty one as the final or whatever it was. It feels like one of those type of games. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, and the, the funny thing is, um, there's a stat out there that um, games with that close playoff games that close with a total of fifty five points. The under is eight and one, but the hmm. only one is is bills and chiefs. <laughs> the one is the bills and the chiefs. So I'm going to play the over. I mean, I just, I'll, I'm going to play what I, what I'm going to, what I want to root for. And that's, you know, scoring all over the football field.
0: You're doing a food thing on house of carbs with the NFL playoffs where we're trying to pick out of the 14 playoff teams, which city had the best dish in each conference. And then they're going to go out in the super bowl. Our friend Dave Jacoby's involved, Natalie Rubin, Craig Horlbeck. Uh, the way you laid out the parameters, you almost made it impossible for the Philly cheesesteak not to win because the parameters are basically, if I go to this town, what is the most important food item that I feel like I have to eat? Then quality of the food item, all these things. Philly's Philly, out of all the cities, it feels like you have to get a cheesesteak when you're there. And I don't know why it is. I don't know whether it's because Philly's in the name whether if it was like if clam chatter was called boston clam chatter would that be like better pr marketing for the clam chatter i don't know but the philly cheesesteak seems like a dominant one seed who who could potentially unseat it who are you looking at um kansas city
2: for sure i mean kansas city barbecue is a is a na- nationwide it's a, it's a brand you can buy kansas city barbecue sauce uh and and the the buffalo wing hello like it's in the name both both of those cities have legit claims like if you go to Buffalo and don't have buffalo wings what are you doing? I I think both of those have formidable chances to to stand up here and I'm not going to sleep on on green bay with the brats and the and the cheese curds. I mean, let 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 them stand. Now let me ask you a question. I did get some criticism for choosing chowder for for New England, there was a strong argument for the lobster roll. What? Where do you stand on this as a new native New Englander? I would
0: have gone lobster. Is it the chowder?
2: No, so I think I, it's the I lobster roll. I wish we had gone. I, I wish I'd asked you in in advance. It it um you know we did sort of an internet sampling to come up with what was the iconic item, and the lobster roll belongs more to like Maine. You know, it doesn't really belong to the Boston area as 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 much. So that's, that's the reason that we gave the lane because the stadiums in Foxborough more proximate to Boston than to Maine. Um, so that's the way M- my only regret, and let me get your, your take on this. We, we, the, the toughest one for me was San Francisco against Dallas. And the reason it was hard is because Dallas has a bunch of, of outstanding food items um, including barbecue and brisket, that that really belong to Texas writ large. You don't say yeah. I'm going to go to Dallas and have the brisket, but you know, and San Francisco has a couple of different things. It has Dungeness crab. It has um, you know, the seafood stew cioppino. and then it has this this sourdough uh that you fill up with with like a Pacific chowder, and that's what we ended up going with as the iconic item. From San Francisco, but it was a really close call, San Francisco versus Dallas. And I regret going with San Francisco because it means that I don't get to eat brisket this week.
0: Um, where do you come down on it? Horrible. I I don't like <laughs> horrible. I don't I don't like the San Francisco food scene at all. I think the Chinese wow. food's overrated. Um, wow. I don't think they have signature things, and I, I'm just not a huge fan. You go to Dallas, it's like, guess what? Sorry. Texas counts as part of Dallas. You go to Dallas, like we went there for the Super Bowl. (laughs) You were with me. What the fuck did we say when we were there? It was like, Hey, where where are we getting barbecue? We went to like three barbecue places. What are (laughs) you doing? If we were in San Francisco, we weren't like, Oh my God. Oh, we got to eat this. No, we went to a bunch of them. Uh, with the, with the lobster roll thing. I mean, in your defense, we've only been close friends since 1988. (laughs) We talk all the time. It would have been too hard to just send me a short text. Uh, Yet I didn't pro- want to corrupt it. The problem with the clam chowder as the identifiable Boston food or Massachusetts food, whatever, is that the, the quality is too up and down. It's all over okay. the map. It, it, if I you're telling it. me like I could get the greatest, clam, but so many people come to Boston and they go to the wrong restaurant and they get the clam chowder and either it's really mediocre or they actually get food poisoning from the clams. Um, and then they're like, oh, I had the clam chowder. Wasn't that good? Whereas if you have the right lobster roll, Really from a bunch. And it could be anywhere in Cape Cod. Um, It could be in Maine, a couple of Boston things. It's always going to win. The right lobster roll is, is fantastic.
2: Um, Well, here's, here's the thing. It it, just like in real life, there was no way that New England was going to beat Buffalo. So it didn't really matter, (laughs) but
0: (laughs) 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 it's fair. Oh yeah. The Buffalo wings thing. Here's my, I'm going to zag on the Buffalo wings thing. Yeah. Great. Great. They're called Buffalo wings. Everyone had like it, I could go to any city and I could get buffalo wings that will be very close to the buffalo wings I would get in Buffalo. They're not. It's it's not going to be like a dramatic leap where it's like, oh my god, I've never had buffalo wings in my life. Like You're committing a I food crime. Buffalo. This is a what? food <laughs> crime. You're committing a food crime. What is the food crime? crime? How, why are the, they better? It, what what is better about them in Buffalo versus another city?
2: They know exactly how long to fry the chicken wing in the fryer. And their recipe for the sauce is unimpeachable, unimpeccable. It's perfect no other every city time. can match it. It's hard to replicate. I'm just telling you, it's hard to replicate.
0: Philly I cheesesteak. Don't... Anywhere in Philly I go, I can get a cheesesteak and it's going to be like, wow, this is amazing. Where else am I going to get cheesesteaks? I don't even know. No, like no, L.A. is like one of the great food cities of all time. I don't even know where I would get a cheesesteak here.
2: Many cities offer cheesesteaks. They're just not anywhere near as good as, as Philly. And a large part of that is because of how good the, the bakeries are in Philly. The rolls in Philly are incredible.
0: So I need to go to Buffalo and I need to get Buffalo wings.
2: I think so. That's what you're Before telling Before you just trot out this idea that, that you can get Buffalo wings anywhere and they're going to be a reasonable facsimile, I think you need to go to Buffalo and have a, have a real Buffalo wing in Buffalo.
0: Can I gold belly it and just get it ice and do it that way? All right. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'll I'll report back. So who are the favorites?
2: We have have them coming to our house right now. I have a gold belly wing, a gold belly, bringing some Buffalo wings to my house tomorrow.
0: Who are the favorites in the, in the AFC and NFC then?
2: So the number one seed in the NFC is indeed Philly with the cheesesteak. That's not a shocker. The number one seed in the AFC is Buffalo with the Buffalo wing. So we have Buffalo going up against Cincinnati with the chili and we have yep. Tennessee, Tennessee hot chicken up against the Kansas city barbecue. And then in the NFC, we had the Philly cheesesteak going up against LA tacos. LA was another tough one. It's um, so many ways to choose to go. one yeah. thing. Tacos yeah. was the right choice. Um, and then we have San Francisco going up against Green Bay and it's going to be, unfortunately, the sourdough bread bowl up against brats and curds. I really wish it was Dallas brisket tacos that's the thing he's like you ruined the bracket tacos. jesus <laughs> what do you mean well the philly cheesesteak at number one was kind of unimpeachable
0: um yeah, philly's gonna win and, anyway regardless and so LA it's gonna up come down to arizona all right good battles ahead um before we go golf starts this week you're gonna be covering on fairway rolling all year you are going to be doing some fan duel same same round parlays and all kinds of stuff um are we getting Tiger? Because we, you and I, might be at the Masters this year. I'm j- just gonna say it now. We, there's, we really could be there this year. Are we getting so, Tiger? Is Tiger gonna walk by us with a golf club and a smile on his face?
2: He might walk walk by us with a golf club and a smile. It will not be competing in the Masters, though. He may he may uh, attend. He might participate in some of the proceedings. He will not be be uh, attending the Masters. As a competitor, he's just way too far away. Physically, the best estimates of when we might see him competitively that I think I agree with are at the Open Championship at St. Andrews in July. Um, The thing that he uh, confessed when he played with his son in December down in Orlando um, was he's so far away from having the stamina to walk four rounds of golf Mm. um, because he just has to build up... <laughs> well, right. Imagine, uh, but he has to build up that that leg to be able to withstand and and the Masters especially is as you know is notoriously hilly. Um, so so climbing the hills is is not the way that he's going to make his return to competitive golf. I don't think.
0: So every year there's some storyline that emerges in golf. You know, we had like the Bryson year, you had the Brooks year, et cetera, et cetera. What's 2022? What's the storyline? What's going to be the A-list storyline this year in golf? This is it, It's
2: crazy, crazy competitive. So the, the weird golf season starts in the fall. They have this wraparound schedule. So they start competing. The season goes, it's a 21-22 season. It goes from September till August. And the winners on tour so far have been all A-class golfers. And the reason is because there's all this pent-up demand the corn ferry guys the the you know right the right below the PGA tour level guys um were not permitted to to come on to tour last year so um there is there are going to be fewer events last year was a super season they had 50 some plus events to try and and accommodate all of the events that got canceled in 20 due to covid this year is like the return to a normal schedule but the winners that we've had just in this calendar year uh Cam smith Won in in uh, Hawaii in the um, Tournament of Champions, and then last week Hideki Matsuyama, the reigning Masters winner, won in in Hawaii by shooting you know an incredible score on the back nine. All of the guys that have won are are either like top you know fifty guys in the world. You're not going to see long shots this year. That's that's my anticipation.
0: All right, if somebody was going to own 2022 in some way, it's John Rahm. I I was going to give you John Rahm, Morikawa, the return of Spieth, or the return of Brooks, or Rory finally gets his shit together. Which of those? So Rahm, you think is the most realistic of those six?
2: Just because of his sustained, um, outstanding performance over the a number of years, and it felt like you know we we might be unleashing the giant with him winning that U S open the way that he did like you it's, it's January. So you could say, uh, the grand slam is possible. The grand slam is in the cards for John Rahm. He, all of his, uh, finishes in majors last year were inside the the top 10. I think he finished tied for fifth at the masters. He was definitely inside the top 10 of the PGA. He won the U S open and he was again, like fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth at the open championship. He's just a crazy stud. Now, I'm glad that you mentioned Morikawa. We're dying for a rivalry, somebody to get up to that, yeah. that Rom level. I feel like Morikawa has the best chance, and then Victor Hoblin. A lot of people love um, how he ended the oh, season. Oh, Victor! He won Victor down. with a K. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, uh, he won at the end of last year, and a lot of folks. I've already bet him to win the Masters this upcoming season, just because I wanted some Ooh. good odds before before he gets on a on a a tear this spring.
0: Oh, so you have on Fanduel right now. Rom is the Masters favorite at plus eight fifty. Morikawa is twelve to one. So you got Victor. Victor's twenty nine to one on Fanduel now.
2: Yeah, that's so why I went. That. Yes, that's why I w- I jumped on Victor. Pure like value. I, just just a guy that that can do it.
0: Should I bet on Tommy Fleetwood at forty to one or set the money on fire like I have the last well, four years? What What do you think? <laughs> Uh I can't believe you know, Tommy Fleetwood. We
2: had this conversation about Hideki and the, entering the twenty twenty one Masters and his putting had been so bad and then he went out and win it, won it. So I, I'm hesitant to tell you not to bet on, on anybody. Do do something small on Tommy, just for your heart. Just okay. for your heart. But we do have Bet the House coming up this entire golf season. Yeah. Presented by FanDuel. Thank God. Yeah. Great job, yeah. FanDuel. And for this upcoming tournament. They've already done a boost for us. We have two guys that we love in the top 20. We have Scotty Scheffler, the uh, the American who made the Ryder Cup. He was like the last guy to make the Ryder Cup. He hasn't won on tour yet. He was Rookie of the Year um, in 2020. He finished the top five at the PGA Championship out in San Francisco. And we have the Canadian Corey Connors who shot 264s over the most weekend. If you bet both of those guys, it's a kind of parlay. To finish inside the top 20, FanDuel is boosting that up to plus 300. Three to one odds for two guys, both of whom can absolutely win the tournament. That's
0: the bet the house this week. It's a good one. I'm excited for those because I will say house only has a couple of like real talents. One is weird (laughs) golf parlays. One is being able to finish whatever food is left on the table for a group dinner of more than five, six people.
1: And that's then true. the
0: other one is just your ability to drink more than one Bloody Mary, like they're like they're oh. like Miller Lights. I don't understand. I how really you do love it. Bloody like you Marys. You can have what, like five Bloody Marys? Like I, I can drink like one and a half, and then I want to throw up. You can keep going, and like they're like Long Island iced teas or something.
2: I don't know why. It, it something about them feels like food to me, and I can just keep going and going. I had four maybe on, that's it on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it just feels it. like food. Yeah.
0: All right, so. um... We're going to, uh, you and I are going to do a special, um, for my, for my YouTube channel, which launched today. We're going to do a special story with that. Thank you. We're going to put that old guy, YouTube, old guy, YouTube. I have a chance. We looked at all the over 50 YouTube stars and I really have a chance to make an imprint, but you and I are going to do a story exclusively for that YouTube channel that, uh, I would urge people to check out that uh, I'm going to have to change my clothes for this. Okay, I'm gonna. Have, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have change. Um, house, good to see you as always. Good luck with the golf season. Th- good luck with our NFL bets. Thank you. Yeah. All right, that's it for the podcast. It was produced by Kyle Creighton. Don't forget, new YouTube channel: youtube.com/slash Bill Simmons. Check it out. We decided we're going to hold the house story that we were going to tell. That was going to be an exclusive uh, on that channel. That wasn't even going to be on this podcast. It was just going to be on the YouTube channel only. We're going to hold it because I, I, I I want to dangle it for the perfect time when we, maybe it's for when we get to, I don't know, 200,000 subscribers or whatever. Uh, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it as a carrot to try to, to, I, as we, as we move forward down the road, 2022. So stay tuned, but we are going to be putting some exclusive stuff on there over the next few weeks and months. So, youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. It's cool. It's cool to see all the videos. I, my, my facial hair in different stages. <laughs> the, uh, the, when we used to have a studio, we, we used to have guests in the studio, used to be able to see the people I was interviewing. So do I actually trying to pick some of the videos made me sad that we, uh, we have been doing the podcast the way we've been doing it for 22 months now and mm-hmm. counting because it was a lot more fun when everybody was in person. Hopefully we'll get back there someday. Stay safe out there. I will see you on this feed on Thursday with million dollar, million dollar picks and a whole lot more until then.